This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World, the data catalog for leveraging agile data governance to give people uh, power to people and data. Uh, we're coming to you live from Austin, Texas. It's an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan. Hey, everybody. I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist at Data.World. And as always, it's a pleasure. It's Wednesday, middle of the week, towards the end of the day. Uh, it is really at the end of the day uh, where our guest is. And we are here, ready to go talk about data, as we always do. And I'm super excited because today we are going to meet with somebody who we met. I finally met her last week in person after like so many years, kind of being in touch and everything. Our guest today is Rupal Sumaria, who's a head of data governance at Penguin Random House UK. Rupal, how are you doing? Welcome. Hi. Nice to see you both. Yes. Uh, finally. Anyway. Finally, we <laughs> finally got to hang out a little bit. Not enough time last week, but I'm super excited to get spend some quality time here talking about our data and governance because one of the things that uh people yeah. like to go talk about yeah and the struggles with governance which i think is a, a great topic all right well let's kick you off so what are we drinking what are we toasting for today yeah you want to start off for so i i've just been out so it is the end of the night for me here in london um i've just been out to a nigerian restaurant and we were drinking chapman's with dark rum so i'm continuing with dark rum in my globe uh i don't know what this is um, yeah, I stole it. You, I, I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you now because it's, we're honest OBS. I stole this a few years ago from a bar. <laughs> Me and my boss walked out with these. Don't ask why. <laughs> You're like, this is too cool. Wait, we need so, it. <laughs> so for those who are not seeing this right now, she's holding like a like one of these disco balls that it, that it, that it's uh, it's, it's like small. shiny and pink and green and yeah. So I can't even. I'm just imagining you walking out the bar with that, uh, and it's like you know, obviously you have a shiny thing in your hand, but uh, you don't care. <laughs> nobody. I I think I think I think it was a marketing thing for them. Maybe they just allow people to walk out because the people are like, where are they going? Where where are they come from? I want to go there. That that's so, good marketing right there. That's a good that. idea. Yeah. yeah. How about, Tim, how about you? I am drinking right now some Voodoo Ranger Juicy Hazy IPA. Um, a pretty solid uh, hazy IPA, I would say. Yeah, and I am drinking. Uh, just made this up today. It is uh, tequila, but actually, I started with some agave, added some orange bitters to that, put some tequila ice, and then topped it off with a little bit of. Uh, just lime, uh, sparkling water. It's actually pretty tasty. Nice. So cheers to, cheers. What, what are we going to toast for? Rupert, what are you cheers. toasting here today? For what are we toasting? Uh, a really random non-governance thing. I'm toasting my friend getting his phone back um, after losing it this morning and then finding it this uh, this evening in, in London, which is, you know, an achievement. Oh, well, <laughs> cheers to that. <laughs> well, finding the needle in the haystack. There we go. Cheers, <laughs> cheers. Which so, takes yeah. us to, to, to our warm-up question which is actually relevant to what you just said. All right, if you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone, so I guess you're governing your smartphone here, right? Uh, which were, which are those three apps that you would keep? Uh, after I talked with my friend today, I think I would keep my camera, my messaging app, and Maps, because it turns out that's all you really need. Yeah, no phone, it's funny, right? It's your smartphone, you don't need the calling app. That, that no, app I don't need that. Open. I don't. No, we don't call people. Who's calling me? I'm not. I'm not answering that. Oh man, I'm not. I was gonna say something with music, but then you said like the the, the map is also essential, and then I need to communicate. And I and I use my phone for my camera. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm on four. I don't know. What are you? Um. So I I thought about this question when I first saw it five minutes ago, and I was like, well, I was immediately thinking like, oh, email and Slack, and then I was oh, like, no, screw, and then email, I was like, wait a second. Like I should not choose those. Let those be laptop fodder. So I was thinking actually like I, I run. So like Runkeeper. Um, also, uh, I feel like I would need my messaging app. So I think we, we would keep some of those essentials. I like how you were thinking already about healthy things. And I was like more, I need the map to go find the bar or whatever, right? That wasn't the first thing. Exactly. Said, after a couple of iterations. No, I, I, think, I think the worst thing was he was thinking of Slack and like emails. I'm like, you know, no, if no. you lose your phone, you don't need to be thinking about work. Like, no, no, you've only got three apps. That's not the one. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's, let, let's kick this off. Rupal. What are the honest no BS struggles you go through to, to 
just set up a successful data governance program? Uh, be honest, I think, I guess from, as you know, I was at your summit and thank you for having me there. Uh, I think I'll just kind of reiterate the fact that you need, a, um, you need to understand what you're trying to sell to your business. But to do that, you need to understand your business. So what do they care about when it comes to data? What's important to them? And what are the anecdotes that resonate with them? I think that is one of the most important things because you, you will constantly be talking to people, building up relationships, and everybody has a different view on what data means to them and what's important to their part of the business. But overall, you need to know what you're trying to achieve as an organization and what that person really cares about. So for me, that is like the biggest thing. So this is this is tying so much of the stuff that we're bringing up about business literacy we're saying and i think this is something that i think traditionally we see governance and i'm very eager to get your point of view here but we see governance as like this protective thing right let's make sure that nobody's doing harm with our data which of course we need to go do but then but that's kind of like the an isolated it technical point of view but when once you want to go do more i mean you just you really need to make sure that you understand how you're providing value to the business and that means that you need to understand how the business works and it's actually so annoying and i'm so freaking just I, I when people go off and start talking about the tech stuff and they'll have no freaking idea how the business works you need to stop go learn the business go talk to people build those relationships it, you're saying it can be easy when talking about things like governance or quality or even cataloging and things like that to think of it really tech centric and also to think really in a vacuum like oh well there's the six pillars of data quality that you have to do right and stuff like that but like well in and of that self that may not resonate it's all about you know can you speak to your business and do you understand your business right yeah i, th I think you actually one as you say right we talk so much about data literacy but very little about business literacy so it you know if we're, we're asking our business to become more data literate they should be asking of tech and data to be more business literate so that actually you can meet in the middle because if you're not going to meet in the middle and you're always just going to play off of each other then actually what are you trying to achieve with with bringing in governance bringing in a catalyst because it's not going to work because you're not you think you're you're hitting all of the factors that you've read about or hear about but if your business doesn't feel it then it's not going to land anywhere and they're just going to get fed up with you really quickly mm. so, so so I, I was watching your your talk, which which by the way, I mean non salesy here. I mean Rupal mentioned she was she gave her talk at our Data World Summit, and it was the number one rated talk I can tell you. So I highly recommend you take a look at this talk. And one of the things I really liked is you were going through this example of like how you are actually understanding the business, and in your case, right, you're a, you sell books. I mean, can you drive? Can you go give us an example of like what is the business your business do and how you're aligning governance? So give an example of truly connecting to the business? Yeah, I think, it, I think it changes. I think that's the thing. Your business changes, your business goals change. You need to keep on top of what it is that they're interested. Someone said to me today, actually, oh, it's data governance by self. They, they, they don't feel that it's heavily policed or heavily governed because actually you're spending time to understand what it is that they need, what it is that you need, and then help them meet you in the middle. Um, and so for us, one of the things and one of the areas that we started with was our sales department because they, they were just, they needed data so badly and they had such a poor experience before with data issues and data quality. And it just became really, you know, understanding what they were interested in, how important it was for them and how much they were driving our business to then actually be able to surface that data, but have the question, an honest question first off, well, what is the most important data that you care about? And what does it actually mean? Because if we have to build all of these data models and data visualizations, we need to be able to nail it and get it right so that you don't have just basically the same thing that you had before, just in a fancy, shiny new platform. And so really spending that time getting to know them. And I think we did that 2020, end of 2020, we had like you know, rounds of conversations Well, what's your top use case? Why this over that? What does this mean? And, and really just getting in there with them and, and having those conversations. And we've done that with several other departments since then, and we continue to do that. So we have these point in time where we do, we, we say, you know what, we need to bring them back to the table and find out what it is that they're interested in and just keep that connection going. All right. This is, this is awesome. I love it. Let's dive deeper. You said 2020. So that's like two years ago. So give us a little yeah. bit of history. Like what, when you started out, uh, how, 
what was the scenario? How did success look like? Or how would you find out success? How many people are on your team? And you're talking to whom? And how did you reach out to them? Did they say no? And then you pushed? I mean, what, what does this look like? Because I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it was like you picked up the phone and everything started working, right? I mean, there was a lot of struggles here, right? Well, I think I think it's you know, and it's not just here. It's credit to the entire team in, in the data team in Penguin Random House UK. I mean, you know, my boss Pete Williams, who, who some of you know, you know, he came in and we, you know, and he was hearing my complaints because I'd been there a little bit longer. You know, talking about you know this isn't working, the business don't trust us, they don't have confidence in our data, and and you know, and it's impacting in a way, impacting morale as well. So it's like, how do we change that? And the thing that we all recognise is we lack the data strategy. So, you know, we spent time talking to the business, bringing in a data strategy for us all to, to actually buy into. And we spent a long time talking about it. And governance was just a key pillar. And we had a really great champion at the time in our um, group director to say, you know, we've tried governance before and it's not worked. And you think about, did they really try governance or were they trying something else and calling it governance? And so I, I think, and this comes back to my first slide, I don't know how many decks I created, but I had a quick look today and I'm, I was just kind of scrolling off the screen how many variations of the decks that I created. Um, and I was very lucky because I started out with the help of a data governance coach um, who really just helped me understand like, what's the key points and messages I need to get across. But even looking back, some of the things that we were pitching, and this goes back to maybe slide, I think, process about the meetings, I was trying to pitch all of these different groups and meetings that we needed. And it was just like, they don't really fit into our business. You know, they're not ready for it. So actually, you know, the number of decks I've created and the, the refining of the message and what really nailed it was we, we found the data quality issues that were really impacting the business. And we were like, this has happened because people don't understand what they're meant to do with this data. And we went around to everybody selling that. And that really did help to change like, kind of the conversation. But I'd say even prior to 2020, at the kind of end of 2020, I mean, we were talking um, in March, just before the pandemic, we trialed a version of data governance before. So this isn't actually our first attempt. We had, a, a, we had an attempt just before the pandemic and then the pandemic kind of just put a stop to it all, where we had workshops with our businesses, different areas of the business, just to even get a sense of what are their issues. I mean, actually it was really powerful because it was just, they dumping all of their issues out to us and from there we also got a picture of what was important to certain areas and what were the common themes and that was a really helpful exercise that we were able to bring forward but you know pandemic did stop our progress at that point um, and we were able to pick up and at that point we had a data strategy we had a vision for our tech stack and it was just like if we're going to do this governance is going in at the beginning I love that. I, I It's cool to hear kind of the journey that you went through as you did this. And, you know, one area that I want to dig into a little bit more is just some of the people side. Like, you know, uh, who who were your the people that you were like collaborating the most with from like a role standpoint to really help you craft this message? And did you have to have sort of a a group in the organization, whether it was a certain department to kind of be what, what Juan kind of mentions often as like, who are your astronauts that are going to go with you to the moon kind of thing. Right. Um, and then also like, who were your, you know, who, who, who kind of became your sponsors, right? Was it like your VP of analytics? Was it like somebody on the C-suite kind of curious about the people landscape? It's, it's a hard one to, to answer really. I think we definitely had sponsorship from our group director. I mean, she, she was a great backer at the very beginning of, you know that we need to do this and then you know kind of just gave us the mandate to go do what you need to create what you need to but in a way actually it was a little bit hands-off and i think you know because she's such a busy woman and she was doing we were doing incredible integration at the time that the fact that she did trust us with it was really great but we did go back round and actually we hit all of the kind of senior data owners in our business and we're talking to the heads of finance and, and you know listening to their issues heads of sales sorry, not even heads of directors of sales and directors of finance, um, um, directors of marketing, so our audience and marketing team, and just talking to them and just trying, you know, talk to them about, you know, what governance is and how does it help them, and then trying to get their buy-in from that. And, and those conversations, tailored and individualized, really helped cement the knowledge. And we asked them for their opinions and their um, anecdotes. And their anecdotes, 
once we had one from one, we were able to share it with another department and they were like, yeah, we've got some of those and build the deck that way. Um, yeah, and really kind of form that network of people that really could start to see the potential with data. So this, this is a question I want everybody who's listening to ask themselves, all right? If you're doing working in data governance, you're on a data governance team, when was the last time you spoke to the head of sales, the head of marketing? Um, uh, I, would be, I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually genuinely interested if people are out there listening or anybody who's live right now, I appreciate if you can comment, but this is something I want to go like, when was the last time you worked in governance, you spoke to the head of sales, head of marketing, or the head of customer, whatever. Are you talking to them or not? Yes. So I spoke to uh, one of the directors in finance uh, yesterday. Actually, I went around to her desk because she was in date.world approving a bunch of things in there that her stewards were doing which I thought was fantastic because, you know, and a big shout out to her, she's been a real credit to changing data governance uh, culture in, in her area. Um, so she was in there yesterday and I think I spoke to one of the directors of sales on Monday. So, you know, and it, it's not just, you know, we have these lengthy conversations. It can be really short and sweet, or we have, you know, 10 minutes on a call that was scheduled to be half an hour, but we've done the thing we need to do. So, you know, we don't need to necessarily Talk all the time to know that we're in contact but we are in contact and that is important because you need their checkpoint and you need their buy-in because they push their team this is this is a really cool perspective on how like what i what i kind of wrote in my notes here is like get out of the building like you know get, get out and talk to people because it's helping you build your case and also you're building these relationships because now later you know you're going to be asking some of these people to sponsor in certain data sources or certain use cases or evangelize it to their teams or volunteer somebody to be a domain steward or something like that and so those relationships are key yeah absolutely and we were actually me and my team were talking today around you know if we're running different data steward networks and we don't necessarily run them all together with everybody because like i said before you know they don't all the different domains don't necessarily care about what the other domains are doing they do at certain points where they intersect but sometimes production just want to talk about production issues and we were talking about actually having data owners at the very beginning when we start those networks is really important and having them come back into checkpoints but in between, if the data stewards are empowered enough, then we're happy in which they, they run it themselves. Um, but making sure that they're in certain, certain spots is something that we, we agreed that actually we want to do more of. And one of the things that we had discussed before was your tailored approach on how to go work with different kind of domains, departments, right? Some some need to be have to have more handholding when it comes to governance. Other ones kind of get it. They're they're more hands on themselves because there is no really silver bullet. Like here's the governance program go run everybody. So share us a little bit more of kind of your, your perspective, your insights about how to go have a data governance program. How does that look when it's executed and applied across the organizations? Yeah, I think, um, and again, you know, we started with these workshops where we brought everybody in and as great as they were, and, you know, we learned a huge amount. They were also incredibly hard to run because you're, you're looking around the room and some people are engaged and some people are not. And actually sometimes the people that are not engaged are people you need to spend more time with. And it's because they've got busy day jobs and they can't necessarily see and this because unfortunately data stewards tend to be you know multi you know they wear multiple hats you know they are these key individuals that are smes so i found that if we brought everybody together i think they get bored very quickly and they, they do trail off and if certain people do drop out as long as i've got the core of what i need i don't necessarily go chase them down because it's their own responsibility and at some point they are going to have to connect back into, the, into the process um, but I find talking to them, building up relationships um, and, you know, giving them a little bit of leeway helps. Um, and I find with some areas, they just get it. And, and, and actually it's helping them do the thing that they need to do anyway. So they don't necessarily need my involvement as much. So I, I can't say that there is, I think I agree with you, Mom, there's no silver bullet. It's, it's trial and trial and fail in try again and keep trying again and eventually you know they'll get it and you'll you'll be more confident about doing it as well how do you deal with uh you know when when there are some folks you really need to be engaged and you know you're struggling with some of the engagement are there some strategies that you found to be effective for for dealing with those kinds of people situations i think it also comes down to your personality a little bit 
um, how how uh, you know that there's you know if you're gonna I guess if you're gonna run a scared then that's not gonna help. Uh, if you're gonna always escalate, that's not gonna help. Um, so try find coffee, try you know work around them, but you know persistence. Honestly, I don't think there's a way around that. There's no like <laughs> there's no easy way. You just gotta be a persistent person. And right. if you've been given a mandate, and if you've been given you know, this remit, and you know you've got to make data work, and you understand the value of why it's so important, then I think you will be one of those people. You will be persistent, and you can't shy away from from you know, I guess different challenging stakeholders, and and not even challenging. Sometimes it's intimidating. Mm. You know, you're you're at a junior level. Some of these people are really senior. They've been here a while. I think you just have to keep pushing yourself, get over that, and also recognize that they care about the business too otherwise they wouldn't be here as long as they find your common yeah. ground around what's important to them and important to the business. Now that's actually good. This is, I mean, this gets into the honest, no BS is, which is like, okay, we need to do this governance. You're on this governance team. You're trying to explain things, but then you're saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm junior. I'm younger than everybody else in the room and everybody, people are so senior, like that can be intimidating. And I mean, from the junior person, the governance team trying to explain this. And then the senior person is like, I, well, I don't have time for this stuff. Right. So I think this is, this goes into one we've talked before, like we need more empathy on this, but I think, Second, uh, kind of for those junior folks who are growing, like this is their opportunity to go to ask those questions and go learn more about the business. So I, I feel that it's an opportunity right now. I think yeah. um, when, and as, as you mentioned, right, we, the, all these different departments, you get the opportunity to see how things are going and you get to connect the dots because folks yeah. are in their own kind of department, their own silo. And they're experts on that, but you can kind of zoom in, zoom in a little bit to see, understand the details as much as are needed. Then you get to zoom out and get to see, connect these dots and stuff. So I think personally, that's why I, I, I really enjoy kind of uh, working with data because you get to figure out, hey, this over there, I heard that over there and those folks aren't talking and I figure that out. And then, hey, you guys should be yeah. in the same room. Yeah, that's that. Oh, that happens hundreds and hundreds of times, actually, that, that you get that where you hear something, you're like, I'm pretty sure I heard somebody over there talking about the exact same thing. And more often than not, they don't necessarily know how to meet or they don't, they don't have them in their network. And I came from a support background. So I was dealing with all the data issues from everybody. So from just dealing with all of them and meeting with them and hearing their issues, I started to understand who everybody was. And if you do come from a operational data support kind of background, then actually you've already got a quite a wide net of people in which you can tap into. So even if you don't necessarily know somebody, you can find out a little bit more about them by talking to somebody you do know. Like, hey, just, just give me the lowdown. You know, what, what's gonna resonate with that person? What do they care about? And, and people are always willing to help. Yeah, I think this is a cool conversation because, and just to zoom out a little bit, I, I think that people who are less involved in governance, right, um, or, you know, sort of this whole activity around sort of um, managing, you know, the data management function, they kind of assume that governance is more of like a policing function or more of a rules function that like, well, we define the policy and then people got to obey the policy kind of thing, right? Um, but in reality, you know, the most successful governance sort of um, programs are ones that are really building relationships, building momentum, building enthusiasm, creating partnerships internally, um, you know, and so on and so forth. It's much more fluid, much more dynamic, and probably much more um, empowering than people realize versus something that's much more just like, hey, we got to make standards, we got to make rules, et cetera. Yeah, it goes back yeah, to the comment yeah. we usually said before: is, uh, Why do you have brakes in the car? And I ask this when I when I'm when when I'm talking to I've been going to conferences and we have a booth and I go talk to people and talk about governance. I ask them always: So why do you have brakes in the car? Right? Because because credit where credit is due. This is Mark Kitson, one of our listeners. And like, I, they're like, oh, what is the answer, right? And then there's like, to slow you down. It's like, yeah, 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 to slow you down. Or is it to make help you drive fast safely? And then a lot of people, it's actually surprising that they've never thought about it that way. I'm like, yeah, this is an enabling thing. And and, and goes back, another discussion I really love, and I know we'll get, when we get to the advice and stuff, talk about books, a book I really love is, is one from Laura Madsen on disrupting data governance. And I love how she says that it's, you need to be ambassador of data and data governance is about making sure that data is being used. So I think yeah. that, that that's the big shift right now. Um, so, so 
Yes, sorry, go ahead. Just there, I was just I'll say, you know, I, I agree. I, th I think, you know, governance gets a bad rep. I, I blame banking. I don't really care because they're not on the call. I blame them. <laughs> I blame banking and finance and I blame GDPR. And they've made it so boring. <laughs> yeah, they've made it really, really boring. Um, and it's not their fault. They had to. They had they had all of these requirements that they had to meet. But if you are not in those sectors, and even if you are, you know, and you've seen what's happened, change it, man. change the game. You don't need to operate that way anymore. And I and I think one of the things is you still need to knock out and keep off track of your security and your data protection. But you have other departments there that will do that with you, not for you, with you. So, you know, we work incredibly closely with our information security department and they are great advocates for us and we are great advocates for them. We, we help each other in our processes. In fact, we nail it down because since we've come in, we've been able to nail down things a lot tighter between us. You know, we've helped them with their process. They've helped us with our policy. So that collaboration is still there. But the business is getting, you know, a, a different conversation around data. They, they, I think everybody understands they need to protect data, but they're now also looking at, okay, but how can I use it? And what do I just need to do so that I can get at it? So, you know, I think there's a different approach that you can take. And if, if you're in a different company than, than banking or insurance or finance, take a different approach. You know, don't go at it so heavy handed and, you know, trying to be police and trying to be, you know, I guess the big boss there. You kind of want to be actually stealthy. You want to you wanna be like, how can I help you? How can I do governance, but actually not make it so in, like impactful, but so heavy. And, and right. I think that goes back to minimal data governance or agile data governance. Yeah. Do the things that absolutely need to be done. The rest will come as your culture builds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think that agile approach is is key. And and I think this just to tie it back, you, you know, when you first were, were talking earlier in the show today, you were talking a little bit about like building that ROI story and building your anecdotes and things like that. Like more of a policing or defensive approach to governance, I think, has certain ROI and calculations that are much more around, hey, we're trying to prevent fines, we're trying to prevent, you know, um, bad actors, you know, or things like that, bad goodwill, etc. But, um, you know, how, how are you thinking about a broader story around the ROI of governance, right? What are some of the things that you're focused on, you know, that have worked at PRH, or, you know, are things that you think work generally to kind of provide a bigger picture around the ROI and the value of governance? <laughs> I always love this when you ask that. ROI to, to data people. And honestly, most data people don't understand how to quantify ROI or what ROI is. And and truthfully, it's really difficult. It's really, you know, where well, well said, it's difficult to, to measure ROI because sometimes it feels a bit fuzzy. You know, you know, we get use cases around, you know, we want to use this new data set and we want to bring in this data. All right. So we ask you, what's the business value? You know, give us the pitch. You know, we we like to. I think you guys call it Shark Tank. We call it Dragon's Den over here. We mm -hmm. want the business to give us not just for data governance, but actually their data products themselves, because we wrap our data governance into data products, so it's all, you know, together. Um, what's what's your business value for doing this? And sometimes it's a really nominal amount. Sometimes you're like, really, are you going to save me millions and millions and millions of pounds? But what you are actually doing and what they are doing is just shifting the culture become more data literate and you're becoming more business literate because you understand what's important to them. So I think, you know, some companies have to measure ROI. If you've had a big issue, you've had a, I think, what, Uber's recent uh, issue that they have, you may need to, to, to do that and focus on that side. If you're not coming from that position, focus on, you know, the business value for your data product, but be willing to accept that, you know, some of the numbers might be a little bit flaky, but it's your starting point as they get better and as you get better at measuring it. Um, but one of the things that we want to do now with, with Data.World and the Data Capital is start pulling out some of the metrics about user adoption. So are people coming in and actually checking what this actually means? Are they then going to use it in their reporting? So actually, does it make us more productive? Because I think product productivity is actually where the value is. Um, not saying you can't monetize your data, you absolutely can, but most companies aren't there yet. So it's productivity is what you've got to measure. Well, I, I yeah, productivity is the easy answer, right? It is. And, 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 then, and then you're like, well, yeah, we save so much time. And you look how much person, how much this person costs so much and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, that's the easy answer, but it's so subjective. I, I think what we should be striving here is, is to really put, tie the data to 
how some how we made money or saved money. And I think I, I think this is an easy answer. And, and and I'm curious what you say is let's say you go through all this work or you govern the data and everything. And question is, how important is this data? Well, you go to that business stakeholder and you're saying, I'm gonna pull the plug on this data. Or what are they gonna say? Are they gonna say, Yeah, it's okay? They say, yeah, it's okay. Then, hey, you're probably not bringing that much value. But if they say, hell no, I need this stuff. This is like, oh, okay. So tell me more about that, right? Because I think at some point, as as the data teams, people who are responsible, kind of taking that ownership about their data products and doing data governance, like that answer of, oh, we do, we we're very productive. That is going to leave us always in that second tier. And and I think we need to have this change. Otherwise. I don't know. It I don't is, want. I don't want to. I don't want to be part yeah. of the second tier of the business. It is more of an operational but, metric. Yeah. But, but the challenge is, is that you know, the data management side, data catalog, data products, data engineering. A lot of them sit under cost centers, so they can never necessarily realize the profit centers because your structure of of kind of your business doesn't necessarily reflect that the value that you make in this campaign or this this um, uh, advertising, you know, um, bonanza that you're doing over here. It just doesn't necessarily reflect on your cost, your cost center, and so it's so hard to then, you know, take what they're doing because it, it's all together, it's all wrapped, and, and I think that's where the challenge becomes, and it's a challenge for, I think, so many data functions, and particularly data governance functions. I can't say I got the answer on that one in honesty, so I'd like to get to where you are one. I'm just, I, I think I'm realistic. <laughs> Hold on, is this a crazy idea or not? I mean, I mean, it's not crazy, but it's. I don't think that the the drive is there to spend the it's going to be quite a lot of effort. Right yeah, I don't think it's. I don't but, think but, it's there. But if, if you go off and you start and, and, and literally just why not go off to a team and say, "I'm going to pull the plug on this data. We're not going to maintain it. We're going to turn it off. Whatever. Just even as if it were, I don't know, as a joke or whatever. Hypothetical. Hypothetical. Mm. Ask them and see what they would react. I would be very curious about that because if you get that, if you get positive reactions, a sense of like, no, hell no, then go off to you're like, hey, we're not actually a cost center. I mean, they, they actually depend on us to go make money. Like we're helping to go make money. I think, and I agree that the problem is that they're under a cost center, but we need to go shift and change this. Yeah. Well, this this kind of reminds me of um, uh, Doug Laney talks about kind of a new way of doing accounting around your data. Right. And like sort of this impact okay. accounting and things like that. But it, it's tough. The traceability of it is tough. Right. And and it, there isn't like a, an accountant that sits around like thinking about like, oh, how this impact happens. But maybe there should be. Well, I I, I have been I listened to a podcast. This is a shout out for Miko Yuke. She has a podcast on analytics on fire, uh, which I'm hoping I want to get her on on, on her show. Um I forget the podcast and who the guest was, but it was literally about this of how to turn your data analytics into a profit center. And one of the ways is that they literally had an accountant on the team. The moment you bring an accountant on the team, they're thinking about, wait, what's the money? They're figuring out the, how to put this yeah. on books and stuff. That's a drastic change. Well, that's pretty radical. Very that's, that's radical. a very different way of thinking. I, I like yeah. that. Something it's we need something different. Like this dashboard, like what is the ROI of this dashboard? Yeah. And oh, like here's that, right? the thing. So, yeah. so Ruble, they say you're they're asking you. Go ahead, so go we ahead, did go try, ahead. I have to say, actually, we did try this. A shout out to, to the head of data engineering, one of my counterparts in the data team, because when we talked about business value, we focused on obviously the use case, the business case. But he, he did actually, I think, attempt to, to do some of this with, with the accountants. Um, what we found was, I think, you know, there's a maturity to your business around it. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're not there yet. And I think as a data maturity, you, you, can, you can go really drastic and flip the switch. But I think until everybody's on the on board and they're still getting value out of it i think that's the hard message but i i i think we would probably want to revisit that so i am interested a little bit more i might have to go find that podcast yeah maybe and, there's um, an opportunity for all, us all to learn a little bit more about this so um so uh, i want to quickly say that this episode is brought to you by data.world the data catalog for data mesh a whole new paradigm for data empowerment to learn more go to data.world um and um, Rupal, one topic that I thought would be good for us to bring up as well on here is, so in your talk at the summit, you kind of talked about like a, a four-step process. Uh, and we talked mm -hmm. a lot around, uh, already about people um, and kind of how people drives into this, right? So that was your step one. Uh, but then you also talked about like policy process technologies for the next three steps. Can you, can you talk a little bit about like your framework about how you think about that? And maybe this is a good teaser for folks to go check out your talk uh, as well. Um, yeah, definitely go check it out. Uh, policy, 
I don't know, everything becomes a lot more official when you have a policy, right? Like you, you've documented and you've thought about your standards and rules, you've thought about your scope, you've, you've realized the limits of where you can and can't be at this point in time. And I think, you know, making sure you write a policy is really important and it doesn't have to be you know, pages and pages long. Actually, the shorter, the better, because people are more likely to read it. And even with short policies, you wanna then, you know, create some infographics and spend some time, you know, getting people on board. Um, but I think having a policy, having it where you store all your other company policy makes it real. It makes the business realize that this is important. And it also means when you're having conversations, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and people are asking, well, why have I got to do this? It's just a lot easier to say, well, it's policy now, you know, in a way. You still have to obviously explain and, and, and like I say, tailor your approach, but it just, it just helps you limit some of the challenges you might get. So I think it's super important to have a policy and, and get some feedback from other people and actually iterate. We're about to, to release a new version soon. Well, we're, we're in the process of rebuilding it because we've moved on and we need to revisit it and we need to add in a whole bunch of new standards because we are a bit more mature and we can add a bit more in. So yeah, that, that's really important. And process, <laughs> well, I, I did it, I tried it. I tried all the meetings at the beginning, I pitched the meetings and, and people just don't want more meetings. Um, especially when you're at the beginning and you're still trying to work out your foundations and you're trying to get, you know, your different departments on board. Don't do it. Don't create all of them out the box. Like I just, that's my biggest advice. Start slow, spend a time with one area, figure out what works and then jump onto other people's meetings and, and co-opt and, and, you know, shout your agenda from there or get other people to, to, to help you. Just don't go so setting up loads and loads. You know, be sparing and people will respect that you're doing this but you're also protecting their time how how do you know which or how do you recommend with which department to start um who's got the biggest business value for data honestly you know and it's not just data governance who's got the biggest business value for data governance but it's who's got a data product that actually is really exciting is it's aligned to your strategic goals as a business um, and it's something that they desperately need. Start there because you're starting at the beginning of their process. You're, you're, you're jumping in early um, and that's what you need to be. You need, as much as you can, be there at the beginning because you can. it's a lot easier to say no entry without doing governance. So business value. So I guess in a way, try, try a little bit harder on your ROI of this new product that you want. Yeah, no, I, I, and I think this is the, we need to start talking to people, understanding uh, what are the, where the business the business value. Maybe some people are coming to you, but they're like, "Yeah, but you're you're, you're not showing me where the, you're not showing me the money." Mm -hmm. So you have to go off and talk to other people and say, "Hey, you're doing something. I can help you to go make more money out of the stuff." So I think yeah. this is an, a super important aspect. It goes back to kind of one of the starting points here was it's about relationship building. You go, we need to get out of our office and go talk to people. Mm -hmm. Those are the leaders. So we do have, like I say, this business value process. I can't quite remember the, we call it something else now, I can't remember the, the name of it, but we, we do, we get people to submit them. We, we take a sense check, we rate it, and then we take it to, you know, a group of data owners that meet, um, I think every six weeks, um, to just talk about where the progress that we're make, making as an organization with our data strategy. And then we surface this, and it's really interesting sometimes to see, you know, the, the the conversations across different departments about what's important because we have a, a just a certain amount of resources in, in our teams so we can't do everything so what's the order in which we do it and, and those always bring out you know challenges to, to what maybe somebody has stated so I, I think you know ahead of maybe being able to measure ROI a sense check get your senior leaders to sense check what, what's being asked of you Oh, that's a good one. Get have that sales check. Mm -hmm. we, we, I've spoken to a lot of folks, kind of even listeners to our podcast, and tell me that they're kind of stuck in this data governance role that they're in. Like they don't like it. What are what's what's your suggestion to folks who are in data governance that they they feel like, ugh, I need to get out of this. Like, tell them just get out of it, go somewhere else. Or I mean, is this I mean, I don't know. What's your advice here to, to data governance folks who may feel, who feel that they are in this struggle right now and stuck? They've not found the company that they, they, they want to work for. Honestly, leave. 
if you don't like it, no one's forcing you there. <laughs> go, go let somebody else that is passionate about it do the job, you know. Um, and I know that's harsh. I do, I do understand that. And at times I get frustrated with my job. Everybody does. But it's do you believe in your company? Do you believe in what you do? And do you get support in your job? I'm really lucky. I have some great mentors at the place I work. So, you know, I can see that actually what I'm doing and they encourage me. So if you're not getting that, then your organization is either not really meeting their data strategy or it's not effective. Well, you haven't got the buy-in that you need. And if you're not happy, move on. <laughs> Just... Honest, no BS right there. If you're not happy, move on. Um, Rupal, uh, a question for you. Uh, you know, as you've gone through this experience, right, and you've built all this momentum and this excitement and all of this progress around governance and enablement, now you can kind of look back at what you've done, you know, at PRH and other places as well, and, you know, think about some of the struggles there. Is there anything that now, as you look into the rearview mirror, you're like, ah, if I could have had another crack at that, I would have done something differently. Like, is there anything you would have changed now that you can look at that and sort of, you know, rearview mirror is 2020? No, I'm not really a big believer in that because everything you've learned is what helps you moving forward. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can, <laughs> as you say, obsess about it at, at three in the morning and be like, oh my, why did I do that? It's embarrassing. But to be honest, you've learned from it. So why waste your time looking backwards on something you can't change but think about what you did learn and, and bring that forward like i said you know I, I created several decks and i tried to set up all those meetings uh, that's embarrassing but you know what i learned what not to do and what to do so no i, I know we're, <laughs> we're we're jumping talking already about advice but that's one i really I, I really love which is like it's as important to know what you want to go do but it's also super important to know not what you should not do or you don't like and stuff like that. And, and yeah, you get to learn that based on your experience. So, yeah. um, so one thing we haven't talked about yet is, is technology, right? And, and honestly, I don't like to bring up technology that often because, because I think one of the interesting challenges in the data space is more the people, the process, but we cannot deny that there's the technology here. Um, so just very broadly open right now, data governance and technology go, <laughs> what comes to mind when I say that? <clears throat> Um, <laughs> the data governance technology has maybe been dominated by certain big companies um, that are now, I guess, fast falling out of favor. And now, actually, and I know you know you guys are challenges in this space too. But there are a lot of companies claiming to do data catalogs. It's unnerving, I have to say, because a lot of people might now be lost in indecision. So, yeah, consolidate the market, people, please because we can't have this many, <laughs> especially when some of them are uh, sketchy at best. Not you guys, because otherwise I wouldn't be here. <laughs> well, this is, again, Rupal, you're I, I love how how honest, no BS you're about everything, right? Yeah, You left the bar with the fancy cup. You're telling people that uh, data governance is a bad rep because of finance and banking and GDPR and uh, and, and, and and now this, like, well, the market is so convoluted. We need to, it needs to get straightened up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that, that. This is this is a, a kind of annoying thing. I mean, even look at the. I was at Gartner. I was at uh, at the Big Data London. And just walking through the hallways of the expo, it's like, as a vendor, I'm over extremely overwhelmed. I can't even imagine that being a buyer saying, "Okay, I'm going up. We need. I know we need tools, right? People processing technology tools are enabling." You walk into that room and you're like, "What the heck?" Like, how do you navigate that space? So any suggestions of how to, as, as somebody who's, who has an experience, who's been going through this, what are the tips and tricks that you'd give a buy, somebody who's looking in and buying things? So how to navigate the space? I think you have to figure out what's most important to you in the product that you want. Like, that's essential. You know, we, we definitely decided that for us, you know, we needed a UI that was going to be really simple because we were a small team. So we couldn't invest in you know, heavy training programs. So it needed to be intuitive. So you need to know what it is you want. And you also need to protect yourself to make sure that the stack is focused on modern technology, particularly if you're bringing in modern modern technology. So, you know, if you're bringing in the likes of Fivetran, Snowflake, et cetera, you know, some of these older collectors, they don't necessarily do them or they don't necessarily do them well or can respond as really quickly to, you know, you might decide tomorrow you're going to switch on this new component. So who's going to actually be willing to work with you on that journey? 
and I think that's important. But uh, honestly, I, I, I get inboxed all the time from different vendors, and I, and I think it's for me. If I think there's a value in the product that you have, and I have a use case, then I will look at it. But otherwise, you know, don't get so don't get blinded by all of the shiny lights that are out there. Yeah, too many shiny lights. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think as as we saw at uh, BDL, with certain vendors focusing more on the the giveaways, which I spent today, and you, I know you guys know who that is. <laughs> All right, wait, super. I told you, look, time flies. I mean, we've been already at forty-five minutes at this stuff. Uh, this is awesome, and, and I think what I really appreciate about the conversation we're having here is that you're really grounding it to something that is. I mean, it's it's obvious, but at the same time, it's not obvious because people aren't doing it. Is Go talk to people and go figure out that business value directly. So and we'll talk about this in our takeaways in a second. But hey, let's uh, let's move to our lightning round, right? Just presented by Data.World, the data catalog for successful cloud migration. And I'm going to kick it off first. So question number I'm one. <laughs> let's see. Are unstructured data, documents, wikis, broader knowledge management, do you all think of that as part of data governance as well, or is it a little bit more on the edges of things, or is it separate? Yes, but we're not mature enough, or we're not there yet. Okay. It's it's it, it's it's a little bit down the way, um, but it is important to us. Hmm. All right. Question number two: Should you have a data governance council? Ooh. <laughs> yes and no. You may need one eventually. Don't start with it said this before don't don't just jump into it i think what you need more is a data strategy board people that are guiding your data strategy if you've got somebody on that frame most of the time they're probably like in and out of your data governance process anyway just use that instead mm. so a data governance council without a strategy is a, a dangerous thing <laughs> i think so i, I think i think data strategy is more important because that's your enabling factor yeah all right uh, third question, do you believe that all this kind of uh, trend of data products and treating data as a product, will this really be, be make an impact in data governance uh, for data value and ROI, or is this just something that's a fad that's passing by? No, I don't think it's a fad. I think it is something that's here to stay. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it's a great opportunity to, to use data products and leverage data governance into them and into the underlying data sources. So although your data product might only use 10% by 10% um, of the data that the whole data set requires, you've already started to implement some standards. So no, I, I think it's here to stay. Hmm. Love it. Um, last question, fourth question. Fast forward five years from now, is data governance easier or you know, did we make progress as an industry or did some factors, right, internal or external, make it same or harder? I don't know. Do you want to ask the people that were in banking 10 years ago that question? <laughs> Ouch. You, you, really, you really like these banking folks, huh? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't mind it. I mean, you know, I'm not, not trying to, you know, if ever I do apply for a job, I'm just trying to be honest here. Um, but, you know... No, I, I think kind of want to go to a conference and ask the... that question. <laughs> yeah, I think you do. <laughs> I think you will still have some the same problems. Honestly, I think you. I think there will still be some of the same problems because it's you, data. You've got all the tech stack in the world, but you've got to bring people on that journey, and people take time. So you know, it's like when they were talking about in, I don't know, ten years, twenty years ago, they were talking about AI is going to change the world, and we're all going to be in flying cars. Well, we're not there yet, so. Wow. I think people just need to be realistic. All right. Well, it's, we're heading. It's a journey. It's a journey for sure. All right. TTT, Tim, take us away with your takeaways to go take us off first. All right. Rupal, this was an amazing conversation. Um, I think where we especially kind of started off here was especially around like the, the value of data governance and like the approach to both recognizing and overcoming some of the struggles around data governance. And um, you mentioned that you really need to understand that, um, you know, what you're trying to sell to your business, what your business needs, you need to understand the business, understand what's important to them, um, and figure out the anecdotes and the stories and the data points that will resonate with them. 
Um, and I feel like you emphasized a lot around building relationships. I think more than a lot of folks that aren't as familiar with sort of modern governance may expect how much you have to get out of the building and really talk with folks. Um, and if we're asking our business to be more data literate, um, you know, you mentioned that we should be probably asking our data people to become more business literate. And it's really a two way street. Um, you mentioned that you need to keep on top of your business and understanding what they need and kind of meet in the middle. Um, and I think one of the things that you kind of implied with some of these statements when we were talking about that in the show was that when you do these things, you partner with the business, you, you know, you all meet at the middle. Um, governance then doesn't feel like a policing function. It feels like a partner. Um, and I think that's important. Um, and uh, at PRH, you mentioned that, uh, you know, as you were talking with various folks early in this process around building the story and the ROI around building out this program, um, you found things out by getting outside of the building, you know, and talking to different people. So data quality was a big issue, asking people about the problems they were experiencing, um, going from department to department and figuring out, okay, there was a lack of a data strategy, need to impl implement that. Um, there was an impact to morale that needed to be uh, remediated. Um, you know, get, uh, you know, trying that they tried governance before and they're like, oh, it couldn't work. Right. Because we tried it before. It's like, well, what happened? What went wrong? Right. Really understanding why they felt like, oh, governance can't work. Oh, just kidding. It can work. But we failed in these ways. Right. Um, and I thought something that was great that you mentioned was, um, you know, you, you kind of mentioned like you talked to some advisors and some coaches and folks that you trusted around data governance and also within the business. And I think that's important find the people that you can partner with to help you build your story. I think that's that's really critical. Um, and then um, we talked a little bit about uh, more about people and how the people are a key aspect to this. Um, and uh, you were talking to like the sales department, the marketing department and folks first um, asked for their opinions and anecdotes, built those partnerships and then took what you learned and brought it to other departments and built more relationships, tested out those stories. Some of them worked and some of them you iterated and added on. Um, and then as you built that story, you um, you you really were able to um, build that overall business case. Um, and, I, and I wrote down, get out of the governance building, right? Which may not always mean you're literally getting out of the building, but this is a mentality here we're talking about. Um, and then uh, before I hand it off to, uh, to Juan for his takeaways, you also mentioned about like when you do these workshops that like if you bring everyone together, like they can sometimes get bored, um, which I think is some interesting sort of like uh, unexpected advice that like I think sometimes folks feel like, oh, I got to hound people like they must join the meeting. Um, you know, we got to chase people down. They got to get a demerit when they don't do the right thing and things like that. But you mentioned that like you don't you don't need to necessarily chase people down because it's really their responsibility and the business needs to take ownership over the impact that governance and enablement around data can have. Um, and so you need to empower them. You need to create the incentives where they want to be a participant and be aware of things like people's personalities and how you need to kind of work with and tailor things to different personalities. So tons of awesome insights there. What about you, Juan? What were some of your big takeaways? So I, I think I'm going to make a t-shirt out of this. It says data governance has a bad rep. I blame banking, finance. Oh, no. You know what? I think I, I think I just want to shout out to everyone. I, I it's it's like nearly eleven o'clock here. I've been out and I've had a drink. So yeah, let's just take this with a bit of salt because I feel like I'm really done myself out of future jobs. Like <laughs> Ruble saying, Juan, stand down. <laughs> no, but 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 okay, no, totally get it. And I know we're kind of going here a little bit ways, but but it is the the gate of governance comes from these areas, right? But BCBS two thirty nine back uh, the the, the two thousand eight corrective session. So it is right. And I think it's it's yeah. about kind of changing the mentality of protecting the data to empowering the data, which is like that point is it's not just about protecting the data, which is. I'm not saying don't protect it. It's not just that, right? We mm -hmm. need to make sure that we the data needs to be used. And I think part of this mentality shift that we're doing, and we talked about ROI, and a lot of data people don't know how to think about or measure ROI, which is kind of ironic because they're data people, right? Um, and they, so we need to have like these short tanks of like, okay, we're going to go do this data. Like, so what? Like, are we going to go make money with this? Or like, who's going to go invest in this? So uh, through, the, through this interaction, the data people get more business literate. Business folks get to more get more data literate. So we need to have that balance right there. Um, one of the things we talk about this productivity, right? Oh, yes, productivity is a way to be able to kind of figure out the ROI. But, I mean, we were discussing, like, let's go figure out truly how to go tie this directly to, to, to the money, money being made, money being saved. And the challenge, which you brought up, which is that 
data the data teams a lot they show up on, on underneath the cost center and i think this is the change that needs to like that that is a challenge right there we talked about policy and i saw everything becomes official when it's written down i really like that quote because we all have these things and and we need to start writing them down and then take it to the next level to mature and make that computer i mean computational computable policy and so forth the shorter the better and you said something that i was not expecting i said infographics and I'm already thinking this is a fascinating idea to say we're going to go start defining our our policies and let's actually go draw this out. Let's have a nice cartoon. Visualize, let's it. visualize it and go explain it so everybody can understand it. And I think that's a very powerful, uh, powerful idea right there. And, and 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 once you're writing this down, you know where you are today and you know what you can accomplish today and kind of create that mapping of what needs to be done because you need to get feedback about that. You need to go iterate. You get new releases. And guess what? The industry changes, the the your company grows, gets more mature, then those policies need to get updated too. So it's 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 like a live it's it's a living policy eventually. Um processes people don't want more meetings right don't we don't have to go start with all the meetings we have to have like let's just start small around this stuff and and how to get started is get work with the department the folks who who are going to get a lot of business value a lot of money ROI there from the data and they're very aligned. Their data is aligned with the business goals. That's who you should you should start with. Um, anything you've anything that you've changed in the past, I really like it. Like, no, you wouldn't change anything in the past, right? You're learning a lot from that. And then finally, we close with technology. There was this first wave of governance tools, but many of them have fallen out. And right now, there are just way too many catalog tools out there. So we need some consolidation in 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 the market. And how do you? How, if you're navigating that expo floor, that vendor floor, how, how do you navigate that? Well, make sure you have your use cases clear, right? You understand that we get a line of the business, but also on the feature side, what do I need, right? Do I need a very focus more on the UI or do I need to make sure that they can go uh, catalog all the different types of, of resources that we have? And it's not just the modern ones. They got legacy and so forth. Whew. That was it. How did we do? What did we miss? I don't know. I think you summarized that better than, than I have done or ever could have done. So, so thanks. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a sniff at this bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll throw it back to you. Three questions. Oh, actually, one more. I have Go a really ahead. good team. You need a really good team behind you. Wider team, wider data team, good data governance team. So focus on your resources. That's always shout out to all of them. Adding it to the takeaways. That's perfect. All right. Three questions. What's your advice? Who should we invite next? And what resources do you follow? Uh, what's my advice? Uh, despite me being on here and doing a few talks, I still haven't got everything nailed down. So just remember that. Take everything with a pinch of salt as well and, and understand that we are still on our journey and so are you. So that's my one big bit of advice. Same for anybody else that you hear out there. Everybody's on a different scale, different, different part of their journey. So just, just remember that. So don't get overwhelmed. Love that. Two, who should we invite next? Um, I don't know. There's so many people out there that, that are really good. And, uh, I think in the UK, and you know, big shout out to Nicola Raskin, um, definitely one of the great data governance coaches here, George Perrican, um, someone that I, that I talked to at The Guardian, uh, Shemali uh, Mukherjee. So she's really nice and she's really helpful and she runs a little no, no, know-how session for data governance people in London, along with Nicola. So shout out to her as well. So, yeah, invite oh, them Okay, Nicola. Yeah, I've, 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 I've seen Nicola. I've been meaning to reach out to her. That's awesome. Appreciate that. And uh, finally, what resources do you follow? So all of the ones I've just said before. Um, okay. But actually, I, you know, one of the things that I like, and also this is a pitch for Penguin Random Health, one of the books is uh, How to Own the Room. Because I think when you're talking to everybody, sometimes you do need to be able to own the room and talk to them. Um, and uh, just as a side note, also how to adult. <laughs> how to adult. Oh, nice. Those like, are like both it. good uh, recommendations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it. But how to own the room, I think, is a really, really great book because you can you don't have to read the whole thing, but you know, focusing on little snippets, I think, really help because a big part of it is the people and you need to be able to have those different kind of relationships at those different levels you know we talk about sometimes people feel intimidated but it's all about your confidence level and you know sometimes everybody needs a bit of a pep talk all right i love it i haven't checked out that book yet no. so i'll have to all right well 
Rupal, thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal conversation. And just quick shout out to next week. We have uh, Patrick Baggert, Bangert, who is the VP of AI at Samsung. So uh, we're going to have some uh, really good, honest, no BS discussions. Yeah. About he has the some state in of AI. incredible thoughts about like AI, where it's going, where it's failed, opportunities. So excited for that. Yeah. Rupal, again, thank you so much. We're so excited we we had this final conversation. We met finally in person last week and looking forward to more conversations and seeing the successes that you're having. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me. This is Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base.